Welcome to the NDIS Property Australia podcast. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Welcome back to another episode. Today we're here with Rob Maxwell and Min from the office and we'll be discussing land supply and land acquisition. Thanks for that, Erin. Rob, welcome back. Thanks, Min. Good to be here. Our last episode, uh, I think number four, when we were here in Melbourne last month, um, a, lot of this, a lot of the listeners really loved our, our summary of the Melbourne market with regards to how the SDA is going. And uh, I think by back by proper demand, we're going to talk more about the land supply situation and uh, how to acquire land, Rob. Okay, great. How are things going on in the land side of things in Melbourne at the moment? Land for new builds is extremely tight in terms of supply. Over the last two or three years, with all the government incentives for new homes to be built for both homeowners and investors, there's been a lot of sales of land that's come onto the market. Over the last 12 months, the amount of new land being developed has rapidly dwindled to the point where it is now extremely difficult to find appropriate blocks for any build in Melbourne. And the ones that are available for sale are generally looking at a a settlement and a titling timeframe of between 12 to 18 months. So it's certainly got tight in supply. The demand is still there and probably going to grow again over the next 12 to 18 months, which is one reason why pricing has also gone up a lot Mm -hmm. over the last 12 months but it is very difficult to find appropriate land to build on. So when you say appropriate land, you're talking, are you talking about appropriate land for normal resi or appropriate land for SDA? Bit of both. What, what I'm finding over the last few months in looking for land for SDA builds is that the land that is for sale and available tends to be either an unusual shape or it's got a lot of fall on it, mm. uh, you know, anywhere up to a metre in fall. And as your listeners will probably know, with SDA, it is ideal for flat blocks to be used to build these houses. Anything up to 400 millimetres is a guide for the build. When you think about people in the wheelchairs, etc., you can't have uh, hilly sites. The other issue we're finding as well with the builders trying to become more efficient in Melbourne with both normal builds and SDA builds They only want to build on very uh, generic basic sites that are flat where they can uh, have no issues at all building as quickly as possible and just uh, doing a number of these houses. They're not particularly interested at the minute in building on unusual or difficult sites, unfortunately. So that makes an added uh, difficulty going forward. Mm. Some of the builders are also very picky with going to – infill areas, or also known as brownfield, and preferring the greenfield areas, which is the new land estates, isn't it? Correct, because it's much easier. It's quicker. You don't need to get the same level of permits and you don't have issues with traffic. You don't have issues with neighbours who've already got their homes built mm. in terms of uh, getting the, the build done going forward. So just on that, 
Rob, can you explain the challenges of having an infill block which has power lines above and also traffic management issues? Please explain to our listeners why that's a negative. Yeah, when, when we're talking an infill site, we're, we're talking an existing area that, that has got you know 95 to 99% of the blocks that are already been built on and it might be 10, 20, 30 years old. Uh, so it's an existing area that where you have the odd block come up or the old odd site that they turn into townhouses and apartments. The, the problems are, one, traffic management. Mm. You first of all need a lot of red tape to go through with councils to get the appropriate approvals to be able to build in the first place. Yeah. Traffic management, uh, you want to steer clear of main roads or very busy roads because you, you're looking at anywhere up to $50,000 just in, in cost to have uh, the sign you know, the stop-go sign people over a mm-hmm. site. It's unbelievably expensive. Then if you've got the older areas that in Melbourne, people will know where the power lines are above the ground versus the newer states all tend to have the power lines under the ground so you don't see them anymore. Yep. If you're doing a, a manufactured SDA build where they're, they're trucking in the pods, they can't do that with power lines in the way, so that becomes mm-hmm. an added difficulty. Yep. Uh, and then you've got... If you've got houses all around the site, which you would in an infill site, you've got issues with neighbours, sound, uh, you've also got site issues, privacy mm. that you have to take into account when, you, when you're building these homes. So it just makes it a significantly longer process. You're talking anywhere from three to six months. Additional time. A- additional time mm. just to set up to organise the build and get the appropriate permits. Plus the demolition. Plus the demolition and the costs associated with that. Mm. You've got the issues with neighbours around sound and sight, as we said. So builders in this sector have decided, because it's become so competitive to build in Melbourne and the profit margins are reduced, they are only interested in building on very simple, easy sites where they can build as quickly as possible. Yep. And and there are limitations with those scenarios too, Rob, because... If you're building in those outer areas uh, within those land estates, the infrastructure amenities around the area may not be up to speed yet, correct? Correct. Although the one advantage you've got if you're looking at an estate that's reasonably large and is backed by a reasonably big land developer is usually they'll either be starting to build a shopping centre and it will usually be close to public transport mm. because that's what makes it more attractive to turn into an estate in the first place. So even though it may not have the amenities now, the likelihood is that most of these estates within the first 12 or 18 months will be in a position where they would have the amenities that are suitable for SDA. Yeah. So you have to look forward. Gotcha. Speaking of large land estates, those big boys like Stocklands and Lindley's, they tend to have restrictions of, well, not restrictions, but guidelines of trying to get 60 70% of owner occupiers in those estates instead of investors, correct? Correct. Ideally, most land developments would prefer more owner-occupiers and investors. Uh, and, and why is that, Rob? The perception and, to a degree, the actual statistics show that the the value of the properties in the areas will be better mm. if you've got owner-occupiers because, as a general rule, an owner-occupier is going to have more pride in the house and look after the house and the surrounds better than an investor will. Yes. You're also likely to have less cars at the front and... Mm. And on the street, when it's an owner-occupier, if it's an investor, you could have four or five people in the one house with four or five cars. Uh, so generally, you want to invest in an estate that has got at least 50 to 60% yep. owner-occupiers. That's if you can get in. Correct. 
So there is the challenge as well. So if you are an investor who wants to build an SCA property in a new estate, it's going to be challenging to actually get on the waiting list and actually succeed in getting an EOI in to buy a block of land. Yes. And as you know, there's restrictions on the amount that you can actually do in any estate with SDA anyway. So it's already limited. Mm. Uh, and finding the, the investors is, is not the hard part. It is now a case of finding the land and the appropriate builder that's prepared to build on that land. I think finding the builder is is just as hard as finding the land right now. Correct. And you also have the added issue, and that's what we do when we do the due diligence. You have to be very careful with who the builder is right at the minute mm. because of all the economic issues around builders in Australia and supply chains. Uh, you want to be com- confident that you, you've got a builder that's going to be around in the next five or ten years. There's been rumour of a very large builder in Australia, and I, I won't mention any names, because it's not public yet, but it's one of Australia's top builders. And uh, rumour is that they're in administration unofficially and will be officially in administration in the next three or four weeks' time. Uh, and the implications of that happening is huge, isn't it, Rob? Potentially, yes. There, there are a number of builders in difficulty in Melbourne and the, and the banks are getting a lot more restrictive with their, their lending. Mm. Uh, hopefully, they'll all, all get through it. Yep. Uh, but we, we, the builders we use, we've done the due diligence and we're very confident that they are going to be fine over the next 12 to 18 months at the very minimum. Mm. Well, let's not get too, too much detail about builders. Today we're talking about land, land acquisition. So, Rob, what are the different examples of acquiring land in the marketplace for an investor if they were keen on looking at SDA? As we've mentioned, uh, buying a block in a, in a new estate has been the traditional way of doing this, but it's become extremely hard and you are going to be looking at a, a, a wait probably between 12 and 18 months. Mm-hmm. You can do the knockdown rebuilds that we've discussed. Yes. Uh, again, possible in, in those infill areas, and you have to allow another 6 to 12 months for that. You could also, if you do have the financial funds, look at doing small developments yourself. You might buy a bigger block and then and then subdivide it and build two or three of these type of homes. So, so just to clarify, I mean, we don't want to scare anyone off, but if you buy a big house, an old, an old house on a big block, you get, de- get the approval by the council to knock it down, demolition, subdivide it, two blocks of land is next. That is a development in its own right, yeah? Correct. Mm. And that is possible, and a lot of people have been doing that over the last few years in Melbourne for traditional sites, yeah. and it could be done for SDA as well. So you might you might get a 25-metre wide frontage or 20-metre wide frontage block, right? Knock the old house down, subdivide it into two blocks, 10-metre wide frontage each, sell one off, cash out, pay off down the debt, and then build your preferred house, whatever that is, normal SDA or, or, or normal house, sorry, or an SDA house on that block, and then go from there. Correct, you could do that. Mm. Uh, you just would need significant funds in order to be able to do that. Yes. And then the other opportunity is to potentially pull your funds with others of like-minded that are looking to do an SDA property through a syndicate, which we could potentially help with, where we look at bigger mm. developments mm. Uh, going forward. That's more of a difficult um, extreme scenario, but... I think what people think in their minds with land development is, oh, if I have enough money, Rob, I'll just go buy a large site somewhere and then subdivide it into four blocks. That That's probably more of a sophisticated purchaser who has two, three million bucks in the bank to do that, buy Correct. a block and subdivide yep. it. To, then they'll sell the blocks off one by one and get cash out and move on from there. So that's probably the prelim for the next topic, which is what you just mentioned, the pool syndicate. 
So, Rob, are you saying that if 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 I had four or five friends with a couple hundred grand each, we can pull it together and buy a larger site and develop it up, split it in half or whatever? Is that right? Yes, and another option uh, for investors that do have a little bit more uh, risk, I guess, risk and cash up front is that there is opportunities popping up in Melbourne where landowners in these outer areas where the land estates are all currently going up and now looking to cash in on their farms. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these that are available for purchase already have DA approved development approval. Mm-hmm. They're just looking for Excellent. a group to come in to buy the house and then develop it to become a land estates. And, for instance, there's an opportunity at the minute that's 66 blocks of land. Which is one, one site? One site that can be turned into 66 blocks of land. It's been DA In or Melbourne, not? currently with DA approval. Yes. In an existing growth area with great facilities right next to a train station, got a big shopping centre across the road. Yes. That that could be purchased by a, a company that manages it all the way through to the end product. Yes. So we have relationships with all of those experts in construction that can do this. So that would be a project manager and a development funder. Correct. Yes. Yes. So we have that in place. We've got arrangements with one of the biggest uh, real estate companies in Australia that has a land acquisitions business that are getting these opportunities presented to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just needs uh, investors to put in the initial funds for Mm -hmm. this, which could be done through a syndicate. Yes. With clients who are looking for an SDA property. Mm. Where they put in the three or four hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars up front mm. for a year, mm. that then could be turned into giving them access to blocks. Yes. Once they're created, twelve yep. months later, mm. that they'd be able to purchase with priority mm. ranking. Yep. Uh, and build the SDA homes at that stage, and they'd also get uh, incentives through through discounts to be able to do that. So yeah. that is a a very attractive option to consider particularly as it's only an extra 12 months of where they get interest mm. on their funding mm. anyway, uh, compared to the option of waiting 12 months just for the block to settle anyway. Yeah. I guess that kind of approach, Rob, is very, um, how would you say, smarter in producing the land from scratch. So why compete with everyone else for land and wait that long when you, when you, when you find, find like-minded individuals, investors, to go into a, tr- a unit trust? So you, you, say, you say syndicate, well, I'd say unit trust. Correct, that's company, the structure that it'd be used. And they buy the land and develop it and cut it up and split it, move on. It's it's a year and a half turnaround time. If you, if you have a block of land that big and DA approved already with the project manager and the funding in place, all you need is seed capital, and that's done within 12, 12 months, basically, if that's the case. 12 to 18 months, yes. It's so all, at the minute, as we know, we can't, we can't buy the land. It's not any, available, yeah, so anyway, you have to yeah. go and create it. Yeah, and mm. this is the way to create it. Whether it's, whether it's 66 blocks or six blocks, it's the same time frame to do it, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. So all, these opportunities are now starting to pop up all over Melbourne because yeah. people mm. will know that land prices have gone up a lot in the mm-hmm. last two or three years with COVID. Yeah. So farmers are starting to look at cashing in mm. on their block they may have owned for 30 or 40 years or it may have been in the family forever. Yep. But they don't want to do the developments themselves. They're not interested, don't have the skills, yes. don't have the time or the knowledge. Yep. Yep. Uh, so they're looking to cash out. Mm. And that this is how the big operators that you mentioned earlier, Stockland, Lendlease, yes, yes. Delphin, et cetera, they're constantly on the lookout. Mm. But the advantage that a smaller developer might have or a group of developers is is that a lot of these landowners don't want to 
to deal and sell to the big land developers. Why is that? I, I think they just they want to deal with a, a smaller group that they just identify with a little bit more, mm-hmm. and they're a little bit more skeptical and wary of the the bigger developers. Yes, yes, um, and that that is a trend. Okay, well, the mum and dad landowners seemed a little bit intimidated by the big boys who bullied them around with low undercutting the land price and trying to squeeze them out and everything. Yeah. Correct. And they offer difficult terms as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're prepared to, as I said, offer a, offer a reasonable price and, and uh, you've got the development approval mm-hmm. in place, mm. it can be a very profitable strategy mm. uh, because land is still continuing to go up. Yes. Now, it may plateau for the next 12 months or 18 months, but as we know from our previous ep- episode, land is a, a hard asset Mm. That in the current um, economic times that we're in, there isn't a lot of better investment options out there and safer options for your money. I don't think there's ever been a case in the last 20, 30, 40 years where land market has crashed. I don't think no, so. No, during the GFC, the commercial market yes, did commercial. crash, but the residential never did. Yeah. It, it sort of paused. Mm. For that year, but it certainly didn't get hit. Yeah, but land land is different from an actual residential property, commercial property. Land is just a yeah, correct a constant asset. Yeah, yeah, and and the advantage is that uh, because you're not beholden completely to mm. the banks mm, mm. for funding. If you've got seed capital investors that put in a fair amount of the value of the land, yes, you've got more control, mm. and there's less risk of a bank coming in and causing difficulty down the track. Okay. Well, wonderful. That's a great option to consider. So as in summary, we have go on the waiting list for land developers to buy the land if you can get in. Two, a uh, knockdown rebuild of a, an old house on a block of land. Three, buying a larger piece of land and, again, knocking down and subdividing the block to be two two blocks or whatever. Three, uh, four, sorry, is buying a large parcel of land and, and subdividing the site itself to do, you know, three or four or five blocks yourself personally, if you have a lot of money. Or five, um, going to a pool of a pool of pool of um people to do it together to do a larger site. At, at a fraction of the um a fraction of the capital, yeah. So they're the five scenarios that are op- that are on the table as options for people to consider to look at land acquisition in this current market. Whether you are looking at as an NDIS property or a normal residential bo- property, yeah. They're the options. Hmm. That's true. Rob, any final words of advice for our listeners about getting into the land market or for well the, the new the new build market for land? I guess if you, if you are just looking to take the traditional approach of, of buying a house and land uh, through either NDIS Property Australia or someone else, you, you first are going to have to accept the decision is that, yes, I want to invest in this particular investment mm. and then maybe wait for an appropriate block to come up that will be offered to you and then you'll have to act reasonably quickly mm. in the current market because these blocks are literally lasting one or two days. What are the tough terms that these land developers and land agents are imposing when they go for, when they release the land? They will want a small financial commitment straight away in order to put the block on hold. That might be one or two thousand dollars or five thousand dollars. Yes. So they won't just book a, put a block on hold and give you a week to make your decision anymore. They want you to actually physically commit cash and sign and sign. Uh, that's one, and and also in some cases they want to know that your finance is is solid and strong. Mm. A, a finance letter, 
Yes. Broker letter. Com- a broker comfort letter, yes. Yeah. And they can afford to do that because there's far more buyers now than there are blocks available. Yeah. Okay, I think that covers it. I think we're good. Thank you yes. very much, Rob. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure that you are subscribed and following us so that you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this episode with those that can benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.